How's everybody doing today? Yeah, exciting. I love it. Man, I'm excited to be here speaking today during our Switch series. We're getting a little bit of feedback here. We good? All right, we'll try it and we'll switch if we need to. I'm excited to be speaking during our Switch series where we're talking about paradigm shifts that can change our life. And for me, a paradigm shift uh, is currently one that I've made this year is changing and continuing to change my life. And I made that just a few months ago after my daughter Ella was born. In January, uh, my daughter was born. And, uh, you know, for any of you who are parents, you know that changes everything. That's a game changer in your life and the way that you view your life, the way that you live. And I began to think about the fact that here's this little girl that I will pass on to her traits, both good traits and bad traits. And as I began to think about that, I began to think about what do I want to pass on and instill in her. And I began to uh, uh, make a list and think through things that I did not want to pass on to her. And one of those for me was some of my eating habits. Uh, For those of you who are health conscious or trying to work out, you maybe know a little bit what I'm talking about here. Like I began to think about the fact that I would overeat, I'd eat too much junk, I didn't eat enough fruit and vegetables, and I didn't want her to have this unhealthy lifestyle. So I began to, to work on that. It was a paradigm shift that changed when I began to actually use my iPhone, not just to make calls and play games, but to track my calories. I began to learn about what kind of foods were healthy, what weren't. I began to, to learn about that so that I could have a healthier lifestyle, so that I could lose weight and maintain it for the long term, and so that hopefully I could pass on and instill in her a better trait on being healthy than I was before. And I think that whenever we look at our lives, when we make these paradigm shifts, we make these ultimately to lead to change so that we can have a better life. And I don't think there's any of us here that would say, I would rather have a worse life, please. Can I have the bad life card? Please, thank you. Like we all wanna have a better life. We all wanna have more purpose in our life. We all wanna have more meaning. We wanna have more happiness and joy. We wanna have better relationships. We wanna have better marriages. Parents, you wanna have a better relationship with your kids. I mean, when we look across life, it's like a human desire that we all have. that's ingrained in us to want to have something better. And so the question for us comes down to is how is it that we have a better life? And today in our paradigm shift that we're talking about in this message, I really believe will help lead to a better life for you and for me. In fact, I think this paradigm shift today helps lead to the best life possible that we can have. And the paradigm shift that we're talking about today is this. When we switch to have reverence for and obedience to the word of God, when we have reverence for and obedience to the word of God. Now, I know some of you, depending on where you're at in your the spiritual journey, you, you may be thinking, that sounds more like a burden. Because a lot of times what happens is we, we look at the Bible as this big list of do's and don'ts. And we keep saying, I'm trying to do this, but I keep doing this, and, and I just can't seem to do this. And we feel guilty, we feel like we can't cut it, we feel like we can't hack it, and it just feels like a burden and a weight on our shoulders. But I want you to bear with me as we talk through this message and we talk about this paradigm shift, because the more that I I study this, this whole week, the more that I spent time in prep and in prayer, it really, God kept hitting me, that if we can begin to have reverence for and obedience to God's word, it really will lead to a better life. So today we're going to take a look in the book of 2 Kings, as we study the scripture in 2 Kings chapter 22, if you have a Bible, you can turn there. Uh, the scripture will also be on the screen so you can follow along with it. 
But the second Kings is back in the Old Testament. We're going to look at a man by the name of Josiah. But before we do that, I just want to say a prayer for us and ask for God's blessing on our time. So you pray with me? God, right now we ask for you to come and meet us here, to speak to our hearts, to your word to speak, for us to understand how it is that having reverence for your word and obedience to it can actually lead to a better life. God, I pray that you speak right now to our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in 2 Kings chapter 22, we pick up with Josiah. And Josiah is the king of the nation of Judah. But I want to give you a little bit of background leading up to Josiah's reign so that you know kind of what's happening when he comes on the scene. See, his granddaddy, Manasseh, was the king of Judah for 55 years. But the Bible says that Manasseh did what was evil in God's sight, that he was wicked, that he did not obey God. In fact, it says that Manasseh turned the whole nation away from God, that he began to introduce idols and false gods and even child sacrifices and all this just crazy, wicked, evil stuff. And then you come on to Josiah's daddy, Amnon, carried on just like his his grandfather Manasseh. Amnon reigned for two years in Judah. But the Bible says the same thing about him, that he did what was evil in God's sight. So here comes Josiah tracking down this family line, and he becomes king at eight years old. Can you imagine that? It's like if I walked over to Bay Kids right now, grabbed a third grader out of the Sharks or Stingrays area and said, hey, kids, you're president of the U.S. Go get him. You know? I mean, here he is coming on the scene. He's in a nation that's living far from God. He's in a nation that has all kinds of these abominable practices happening, and he becomes king at eight. And if history tends to repeat itself, it looks like for Josiah, this is not going to go well, that this is not going to be good. But as we read through the account, we find that as Josiah is going through his reign, his 18th year of his reign as king, he sends his secretary of state, a guy named Shaphan. I love these biblical names. They're just, they're awesome. So Shaphan... He says, hey, Shaphan, go down to the temple, all right, the temple of God. He says, go down there, doing some work, go check on it and bring back a report. So Shaphan goes down and he begins to talk to Hilkiah. Hilkiah is the priest there at the temple. He's finding out like, hey, how's everything going? You got the money you need, blah, 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 blah. And they're talking, he's getting the report. And Hilkiah says, oh, Shaphan, hey, by the way, still, I was in the temple and I found the book of the law. In other words, I found... God's word. The first five books of the Bible is what they refer to as the book of the law, and it's what they had of God's word at this point. He says, I found it in the temple. Imagine that. And he gives it to Shaphan, and Shaphan's like, okay. So Shaphan takes it back, and it says that Shaphan read the book of the law. So Shaphan comes back to Josiah, and he's giving the report. He says, so here's the deal. They're doing great. Everything with the temple is going great. The work is happening. Oh, by the way, Hilkiah gave me a book. And Shaphan takes the book, the law of God, and he begins to read it in the presence of Josiah the king. And I want us to see how it is that Josiah responds when God's word is read to him. And in 2 Kings chapter 22, verses 11 through 13, it says this. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes. He gave these orders to Hilkiah the priest, Ahikam the son of Shaphan, Akbor the son of Micaiah, Shaphan the secretary, and Isaiah the king's attendant. And he said, go 
and inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah about what is written in this book that has been found. Great is the Lord's anger that burns against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book. They have not acted in accordance with all that is written there concerning us. All of a sudden it gets real heavy real fast. As God's word is read in the presence of Josiah, there is this extreme brokenness. This despair that comes over him to the point where he literally takes his clothes and he begins to tear them in his grief. Because what he sees is he sees how God has said for them to live. And he looks at his current reality and he looks at his life. He looks at the nation of Judah and he sees that they are living in complete opposition to what God has said. And it brings such grief because he has such reverence for God's word that he tears his robes and he gathers these guys and he says, go and find out what God says about this because we have invoked his anger by our guilty actions. And here he sits and he's waiting for them after they go out to reply. And so these guys go out and they go to search for a prophet or prophetess. A prophet or prophetess is simply somebody that God chose to speak through. They were like his mouthpiece. And they go and they find Huldah. Huldah was the prophetess there in the area. And she gives them a message from God to take back to Josiah. And this is what she says in verse 15. She says, tell the man who sent you to me. This is what the Lord says. I am going to bring disaster on this place and its people according to everything written in the book that the king of Judah has read. Because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods and provoked me to anger by all the idols their hands have made, my anger will burn against this place and it will not be quenched. The message keeps getting heavier and heavier. Here they're saying God will bring destruction, God will bring punishment as a result of your guilt. See, the Bible describes God as being gracious, compassionate, loving, merciful. In fact, God even says he's willing to forgive sin and rebellion, but it also says that he is just. And if you study or you even understand justice at all, it means that if there is guilt, it must be punished. And so God is saying out of his justice and his character, there is going to be disaster because of the actions of the people. But Huldah doesn't stop there. She goes on then in verse 18 to say, Tell the king of Judah who sent you to inquire of the Lord, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says concerning the words you heard. Because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I have spoken against this place and its people, that they would become accursed and laid waste, and because you tore your robes and wept in my presence, I have heard you, declares the Lord. Therefore, I will gather you to your fathers, and you will be buried in peace. Your eyes will not see all the disaster I am going to bring on this place. So here's God's message. He says, I'm going to bring destruction and punishment as a result of the sins of the people of Judah. But Josiah, because you had reverence for my word, because you allowed it to break your heart, because of your response and your humility, I have heard you. 
I have heard your cries. And you know what? You will experience peace in your lifetime. You will not experience this disaster and this destruction, but, but Josiah, you will experience a better life. And there's something here about Josiah's responsiveness to God that, that enacts this change in God. That we can see that when we respond with humility, when we respond like Josiah did to what God says, that, that God reacts in this way of extending peace, of extending forgiveness, of extending compassion and grace. And they bring this message back to Josiah. And now we see after Josiah hears it, that after he has reverence for it, he begins to have obedience to God's word. And chapter 23 is all about the radical obedience of Josiah, the full-hearted, full-surrender obedience that he has to God's word. And Josiah starts by gathering all the people in the beginning of 23, and he, he gathers them all. He reads from them what God has said. He renews the covenant saying, hey, guys, we're God's people. He is our God. We're going to live for him. We're going to do what he says, and he is going to promise to bless us, to protect us, to give us grace. And he renews his covenant, and all the people renew it with him. And then Josiah begins to bring reforms and turn the whole nation of Judah back to God back into a relationship and obedience with him. He begins to clean out the temple from all the false gods and altars that they had. He begins to go through and get rid of all the high places they had set up to offer sacrifices. He stops child sacrifices from happening in the nation of Judah. He begins to reinstitute the Passover festival, which was for the people of God to celebrate his faithfulness to them and to be reminded of what God had done for them. He begins to get rid of mediums and spiritists all across the country, take out the household gods, and the Bible says detestable images, and he begins to clean out everything, and he does all this as a result of his reverence for and his obedience to the word of God. And this is what it says in the end of chapter 23 about Josiah's obedience. In chapter 23, verses 24 and 25, it says, This he did to fulfill the requirements of the law written in the book that Hilkiah the priest had discovered in the temple of the Lord. Neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did, with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his strength, in accordance with all the law of Moses. Josiah had reverence for God's word, and he put it into practice through his obedience to God's word. And as a result, he experienced God's peace. He experienced God's blessing. He helped the whole nation to come back underneath the peace of God. And he experienced a better life as a result of his reverence and obedience to God's word. Now, when I, I think about this, I think about how Josiah reacted, and, and, and I think about it kind of like this umbrella. When you think about an umbrella, the four times a year that we have to use it here in California, I mean, seriously, like, we come underneath the umbrella to stay dry. It provides shelter for us. It provides protection. It keeps us dry, keeps us warm, and it keeps us comfortable. Now, in the chance that you forget your umbrella on the one day that it downpours or maybe thunders, you get caught out in the open. And what happens is you get wet, you're cold, and then you're miserable. But if you had the umbrella and you stayed under it, you would stay protected. And in a sense, what is happening here is God's word is offering an umbrella of protection for us. 
It's like an umbrella of authority that when we step under it, we experience God's protection and his blessing, his covering over our life. And you see, the nation of Judah and Josiah were living out here. They were living in disobedience to God. They were living far from him. And they were going to experience the consequences of their actions and their disobedience to God. But Josiah, when he heard the word of God read, and he understood the reverence for it, and he began to have obedience for it, he stepped underneath the umbrella of God's authority, and he brought the nation of Judah underneath it so that they could experience God's blessing. God said, as a result of your humility and your response to come under my authority, you will have peace. And they had a better life as a result. And I really believe that the same applies to us today. That whenever we step under the umbrella of God's authority by having reverence for and obedience to his word, that we can experience a better life. In fact, I think underneath the umbrella of God's authority, we experience the best life possible. When I was in high school and into college, before I became a follower of Christ, I, I had a problem. I had a problem with pornography. Dealt with it. It was part of my past. Actions that I regret. Actions that I was taking outside of the umbrella of God. As a result of being out here, I had consequences. Had pain, had guilt, had shame. But as I began to grow in my relationship with God, after I gave my life to Jesus and began to live for him, God began to deal with me in that. God began to, to deal with me and showing me his holiness, showing me to have reverence for him. You know, reverence literally is, when you see in the Bible, it talks about fear. It's that healthy fear that we know, like, he is God. He's not just some little, like, in my box, like, little kind of set onto the side God. But he's, like, the creator of everything. And I began to have reverence for him. And as a result, when I began to understand his word, I began to have obedience for him. And I began to step underneath the umbrella of God's authority and began to live a better life free from all that junk. And when I met my wife, Kendall, I was walking underneath the umbrella of God's authority. I haven't stepped back into pornography since, haven't messed with it ever since then. But you know, when I, when I met Kendall, we were dating and we started to get more serious. I didn't want to have anything, if we were getting married, like baggage and past history that I had to carry and stuff inside. I want to have it all like uncovered and be like, hey, this is the mess I dealt with in the past. I don't want to hide it. I don't like it, but I'm not going to hide it. And I shared it with her. I, I had a heart-to-heart conversation with her. And you know, as a result of sharing that, it actually produced fear in her. It produced fear in her when we were dating that I might one day, when we got married, go from being underneath God's umbrella to walking back in that pornography and in that trap. And it produced fear in her to the point where we actually broke up. And I experienced more consequences of my actions from outside of God's umbrella. And you know, that's the thing in our life is that you may be living outside of God's umbrella, underneath it, outside of his authority and in disobedience to him right now. And you may think like, oh, it's all good. There's no consequences right now. But the thing is, is that consequences can come up down the road. The Bible actually says, be sure your sin will find you out. But if we would start with standing underneath the umbrella of God's authority, then we could experience his peace and his blessing and avoid all the pain and the shame and the guilt and the mess that we go through by being outside. When you think about this, when we look at what God says, I think it's important to see what he says, but then ask the question, why? Talking about pornography and looking at sexual sins, God has said that we are to be sexually pure. 
that he has created and designed sex to be within a marriage context between a husband and a wife. And now a lot of people, man, this, this feels heavy. This gets hard when we start wrestling through these topics. But if we look at it just as a do and don't, we've got to look at the why. Why does God say it? If we step outside of his authority and we live, you know, fulfilling our own desires and living in disobedience to God, then this is where pornography becomes the enemy of intimacy in a marriage. This is where affairs happen. This is where sexual addictions and rape happen. This is where pain and shame happens as a relationship that enters one of the most intimate acts that a couple can ever take is torn apart. This is where baggage happens that we will one day bring into our marriage, the pain and the regret that we have. This is where sexually transmitted diseases begin to run rampant. But when we look at why does God say that, why does God say to not have sex until marriage? If we look at that and we step underneath the umbrella and we think, what if I just stayed here? What if I waited? What's the worst that could happen? Here I have no risk of sexually transmitted diseases. Here I have no guilt and shame and past baggage and history that I'm bringing into my marriage. Here I don't have pornography that's going to ruin the intimacy with my spouse. I mean, in fact, there's no negative consequences of doing what God says, and it leads to a better life. It leads to the best life possible. The only negative consequence anybody has ever tried to tell me for doing what God has said in this area is they say, well, how are you going to know if the person's any good if you wait to have sex till you're married? Seriously, people used to ask me this in college when I was telling them about this, to which my response was, dude, if I've never had sex, it's going to rock my face off. Are you kidding? Is it not going to be any good? What the heck? And when we stay underneath God's umbrella, we experience his blessing. We experience his protection. We experience the best possible in our life. Not just with sexual sin and sexual areas, but look at what the Bible says about how we handle our finances. Look at what it says about our marriages. If we took the principles that God has said, look, take these and put these in your marriage. Put these in your relationship with your kid. Put these in your relationship with your parents. And look, you'll have better relationships. If we would take what the Bible says about forgiveness, we would stop living in bondage and bitterness and resentment to what people have done to us. And we would step underneath his umbrella and we would experience freedom. We could have a better life. When we do what God says, when we come underneath what he says, we will experience a better life because God is saying, look, I created you. I've breathed life into you. I know you. I know you better than you do. I know what will hurt you. I know what will cause you pain. I know what will lead to disaster and consequences in your life, and I know what will lead to the best for you. And that's why God has given us his word. He's given us a gift. He's given us a gift of his word to say, look, this is how you can have the best. It's not a burden. It's not do's and don'ts. It's not a checklist. It's how you can have the best when you begin to have reverence for it, when you begin to have obedience to my word. You'll experience the best in your life. And when we begin to humble ourselves like Josiah did, and we begin to step underneath the umbrella of God, and we begin to live underneath his authority, when we begin to clean out house in our life, and we begin to get rid of all the junk, just like Josiah went through the whole nation, and he began to clean it out and turn it back to God, when we do that in our life, we do that in our families, then we experience a better life under the authority 
of God. We have a better life when we have reverence for and obedience to God's word. Maybe today, this week, some of you need to start like Josiah did. You need to start in your life by having reverence for God's word. You've been coming to South Bay week after week, and you've been hearing God's word taught. You've been hearing these principles, and it just feels like every week that we're up here, and we've been following you all around your, your week, that we've been sitting in the backseat of your car, and we're making a list of everything that you did so we can talk to you. That's not us. I'm a dude. I sit in my office and work. That's God speaking through us and speaking through his word, and he's grabbing a hold of your heart. And the question for you now is, will you begin to act like Josiah and have humbleness? Will you react with humility and response and say, God, I want your best. I don't want to stay out here. I don't want to stay out here and face my pain and my guilt and my shame, but God, I want your best. And we come with humility to God. We respond to God. And here when we respond, God says, I'm willing to extend forgiveness. I'm willing to to bring you under my protection and under my blessing. But you know, I know for some of you it may be hard because you may say, how do I know that God will give me protection? How do I know he'll give me blessing? How do I know what he says is best? Because a lot of times it's hard for us to trust somebody that we don't know. It's hard for us to give over that control, to trust him, I mean, obedience is literally giving over full control and full surrender to say, okay, God, I may not understand it. I may have different desires, but because you said it, here I am. And the Bible says in it that we can have a relationship with God where we can know him. And I I, I really believe, and I've seen it in my life, I've seen it in other people's lives, that, that the more that we begin to know God, the more that we begin to be in a relationship with him and walk with him, the more that we understand that God is for us, that God loves us, that God is compassionate, he's gracious, he wants the best for us. And you know, in the beginning, we a lot of times see it as do's and don'ts, but the more that we know God, the more we understand that this is the better life, and he does it because he desires that for us. And the Bible says that we can have a relationship with God, that we can come underneath the authority of his protection and his blessing and his word when we begin a relationship by putting our faith in Jesus. You see, as a result of our actions out here, as a result of our actions living outside of God, it separates us from him. It puts us on a path to spend all eternity apart from him, even in a place where the Bible calls hell. Because don't forget, one of God's characteristics is justice. But God says, you know what, I love you so much. I created you, and I breathe life into you, and my desire is for you to be with me. My desire is to extend forgiveness to the fact where he would send Jesus, his one and only son, to come to this earth, to go to a cross where Jesus would die. Where he would die in your place, he would die in my place. To take the penalty of your sin, to almost like pay for it, to atone for it. So that when we would humble ourselves like Josiah, when we would respond and say, God, I want your forgiveness, and I come in faith, and I step underneath God's umbrella, that I experience forgiveness. That all the guilt and the pain and the shame that I have out here, because I know what God says, and I know I'm living in opposition to it, that it is taken away when I come here. That it's taken away by the blood of Jesus. How precious is the flow, the blood of Jesus that comes over and covers all of our sin and leads us to a better life. 
And I can't help but think today in a crowd like this for some of you, especially those of you who are parents, to think about if you would do this, if you would humble yourself underneath what God has said, if you would begin a relationship with Jesus, to think about your kids, to think about some of the sin patterns in your family that could be broken. When you look back at Josiah's family, Manasseh passed it on to Amnon. Amnon was going to pass it on to Josiah, but with Josiah it was broken. And I can't help but think for some of you who have kids that one day, by your decision today to humble yourself, to step underneath the authority of God's word, that your kids, your grandkids, and your great-grandkids could all have a better life as a result of your example and your steps today. It's not just about you and your life, but whenever you take steps to humble yourself underneath God's word, whenever you take steps to have reverence for it and obedience to it, it affects your life and everybody around you, even for generations to come. What is God putting on your heart today that you know you need to act on, but you've been waiting to? Maybe for us, you need to start this week by beginning to read the Bible for yourself. The Bible says in Psalm 119.11 that I have hidden the word, your words in my heart so that I won't sin against you. How is it we have obedience to something we don't know? And that's where we have to begin, not just coming on Sundays, not just going to a life group, but beginning to get into the Bible for ourselves and beginning to take it, learn it, and apply it into our life and letting it change our actions to where our life changes to match what God has said. And maybe today you need to start, number one, by getting a Bible, but just going by the resource center. We've got people there that can help you get one. By getting the YouVersion app that Archie was talking about in the welcome, you can get that and you can have the Bible on your phone, on your, your tablet, on your computer. You can read it there. You can pick a plan that will help you track your progress and begin to learn how to grow. You can stop by the resource center and pick up a life journal, not a diary, a life journal. That will help you begin to take God's word, begin to think through it and process through it and begin to apply it into your life. Because it's not just enough for knowing it, but it's when we begin to obey it and apply it that it leads to a better life. I want you to picture your life for a minute. I want you to picture your life and what it's like in one month. What's it like in one year? What's your life like in five years? What could your life be like at that point if you started today to react to God's word? If you began to have reverence for it, you began to have obedience to it. If you responded to the forgiveness that God is offering through Jesus and you began to step under the umbrella of God's authority. Think about the pain and the guilt and the shame that, number one, you could be forgiven for and could be gone. Think about the consequences and the guilt and pain that you will face if you stay out there, but that you will avoid if you come underneath the umbrella of God's authority. Think about your kids. Think about their futures because you will instill in them good and bad traits. Think about your relationships, your marriages your relationship with your kids and your parents, your relationship with your friends. How could they all be different? How could they all be better if we were all willing to say, you know what, God, I don't understand it all the time, but I trust you. And I will come underneath your word and I begin to obey it. The way that we have a better life is ultimately by having reverence for God's word and having obedience to it. Guys, this, I, I just shoot you straight. This message has been heavy on my heart. All week long, 
It has just been like a weight where I've just been like, if people could just understand this, that God is saying, this is how you have the best life. I've, I've given you instructions. I've given you like a clear direction. And my prayer for you, my prayer is that you'll see how much better it is under God's authority. That you'll begin to say, why would I want to stay here? Why would I want to stay here and suffer consequences? Why would I want to stay here and go through pain? Why would I want to stay here in my guilt and my shame when I have such a better life right there that God is offering today? And today you can experience that. Today you can have that let go. And maybe some of you, this message is hitting hard in your heart and in your life right now. And I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you to, to not leave today without dealing with what God is, is hitting you on. We have a prayer booth in the back. We'll have prayer counselors there that can pray with you, that can open up God's word and begin to talk with you, that can tell you about how to have a relationship with Jesus, that can help you with other areas maybe you're struggling with. And you just say, I just need to tell somebody so that I can begin the road to getting underneath God's authority. So after our service today, if that's where you're at, I want to invite you to step back here by these steps in the back to meet some people there that can pray with you and talk with you. The way we have a better life is by having reverence for and obedience to God's word. Let me pray for us. God, this morning this message is heavy. It's hard. It gets in our face. Your word can sometimes challenge us. But God, ultimately we know that it helps us lead to a better life. It helps us lead to the best life possible. And that's why you've given it to us, God. And I pray today for all the people that are here in this auditorium that you will be working in their hearts and lives. That we will understand that when we begin to have reverence for your word and obedience to it, that God, it does lead to a better life. We pray for you to do a work now in this place. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.